Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What a difference three weeks can make in Tallahassee. Welcome in to the Seminole Rap Podcast. I'm Brian Pellerin, along with Juan Montalvo and John Marchant. Guys, uh, we were soundly uh, commented down a few weeks ago for being overly negative and, and giving this team no, no real chance, especially myself, to move forward. And wow, what, a, what an answer in the last two weeks from this team. Uh, last week, you go down to the wire with Syracuse, and this week you, you pull off what could be, and I've seen talked about the largest point spread underdog in possibly the, in, in the program's history from the, the internet sleuths I could see winning 35-25, and I don't think it ever really felt in doubt um, for a game that I don't – I wrote all week in, in both my staff picks and the – overall college betting picks I do that I didn't see I saw they could keep it close but I didn't think they could go in and handle North Carolina the way they did one I know we're all pretty surprised but I mean they look like the better team they really did um uh, you know last week one one thing we talked about and, and I think you know we I talked about it more in reference to like the Clemson game and the Florida game is that you know this team can play with just about anybody on their schedule. And then I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, played in, played a decent game with Clemson or a decent game with Florida. And, uh, you know, they came and did it against North Carolina as an 18 point dog on the road uh, <laughs> against, yeah. uh, against Sam Howell, uh, former Florida state football commit, uh, former quarterback in the future for the Knowles. Um, and to his credit, uh, a pretty solid uh, a FSU mole that we have up there in Chapel Hill. He's uh, 0-2 in his career against Florida State. We don't play them in 2022 or 2023. So the next time that Florida State plays South Carolina or North Carolina, rather, um, Sam Howell will not be there uh, in, in, in or able to play eligibility-wise. So. Uh, it's, it's great, man. I mean, you know, it's a huge win for the program. You know, pe- people outside the the program are talking about it. I mean, it's, you know, a, a, it was an upset win over a ranked team. It's a it's a sod game. I mean, you, you can just keep rattling off things about uh, that'll, you know, illustrate how important it is to the program. But, you know, with this and Syracuse, it's, it, it's kind of funny to have seen in the last four games the progression of – you know, the old, the old trope that you see, you know, lose by a lot, lose by a little, win by a little, win by a lot. They've done that in four weeks against wildly differing teams. Um, so it's, it's pretty exciting to see. And, you know, I mean, this team seems to be starting to come together as a team and starting to believe in each other. And that's one thing you heard Mike Norvell talk about in his post-game, post-game uh, press conference was that this team, you know, had a lot of belief in, in what they're doing and, and what the coaches are asking them to do. And that's, that makes a huge difference, obviously. Uh, they made uh, it pretty clear that they, they plan to celebrate it. I, I mean, of course they should. And John, uh, <laughs> they actually, they ran the ball 41 times and like 13 passes, but that's all you got to do when you're winning like you were. Yeah. That's what Jordan Travis gives you. Right. Uh, it, this offense in that game against North Carolina looked a lot more like what we saw last year. Um, when uh, Travis, 
you know, because last year they had, they had kind of developed that as they went along, moving on from from Blackman and and uh, to Travis, and that's what they look like. Uh, you guys pretty much covered it all. Uh, I thought this was probably the most complete game they've played in several years, at least. Um, offense, defense, uh, even special teams was better than than what we had seen for a lot of the season. So uh, it was fantastic. It was a program win. It, it's it was that progress that we always wanted to see this year that we talked about. Um, and that that's really nice. I, I thought, you know, as much as credit as we're given Jordan, well, we haven't really dove into it yet, but we just, I kind of briefly mentioned Jordan's running ability, obviously in the game 14 for 121. Um, I, I really like the play that they, they drew up for, for Ontario Wilson, the Pookie, right? Yeah. When he rolls right. And, and uh, I forget who was on the broadcast. Was it Orlovsky? Yeah. Yeah, when when they when they went and did the the I guess telestrator to go back to the John Madden days and and they they show him rolling right peaks sees those weak side guys collapsing and he knows he's got that whole side of the field that was that was pretty impressive to me as a passer but that's what this type of strong run game gives you is the ability to open up just that one shot that's all you really need which is exactly what we talked about the need to be explosive and that's where I think this team almost found itself when they went back to Jordan Travis and got really, I mean, 41 carries for 238, I, I think it's what we would have told you was going to be the recipe three weeks ago to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, this team I, really has shown that they, what, what, like what John was saying is that, um, yeah, you've seen from this team this, this past year, last year, that, that running the ball was something they can do. And, you know, that what you've seen from that, this team this year, they can still run the ball. Um, they may not have an offensive line right now that's capable of being uh, above average or good level uh, pass protecting offensive line, but they're good running the ball. I mean, they're very good running the ball. I mean, if not one of the be- best teams in the country running the ball at this point. I mean, they've do- they did it against Notre Dame's front um, with pretty good success. They did it, you know, they've, they've, do- they've done it consistently this year and you know the same group of players did it last year and you know they went back to the basically the old triple option Jordan Travis offense and he looks a lot more comfortable in it um you know he 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 was out there you know and not to get too much into the body language type stuff but he was out there smiling and and patting dudes on the butt I mean he was he was he was having a good time out there and you know I mean it's it's a uh, it's another one of those tropes but you know he was, he was having fun. I mean, you know, when you're having success and doing things that you're comfortable doing, you're going to have more fun. Um, you know, I mean, it's just something that he, he's comfortable doing. It's something he clearly did a fair amount in high school. Um, yeah, he, he can still do that and still be able to launch a few deep balls here and there. So, I mean, uh, you know, to see, to see the team be comfortable, see the defense just shut down uh, the passing game uh, with, with, with Sam Howell, I think that was one of my biggest takeaways is we knew this defense was very effective against the run. And one thing we've talked about a few times now is that we knew going into the year that their game, their, their, their main focus for most game plans and especially for the Notre Dame game was stop the run. And they, they've done that. They've done that all year with great success against solid running teams. And they went up against, I would say probably the best quarterback on the schedule so far. Yeah. Best quarterback on the schedule so far. Uh, I don't think Cunningham from Louisville is that good overall. (laughs) 
other than one Saturday. <laughs> His stats are big, but yeah, I get where you're going. Yeah, um, but so uh, Sam Howell is one of the better passing quarterbacks on your your uh, your 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 schedule, and they didn't sit there and try to stop the run and force him to throw because they figured, okay, this kid's able to make deep throws. He's a good passer. They sat back and they didn't let them throw. They sat back. They pulled. They they played deeper zones. They they kept cover three, cover cover four, cover two, deep shells when they were doing that. They weren't you know creeped up 10, uh, 10 yards or less from the line of scrimmage. They were getting depth and they basically dared UNC to run and dared Sam Howell to take the, take the short stuff and, and slowly move their way down the field. And it worked excellently. I mean, um, I think Florida state at one point had almost double the yards per play that uh, UNC did in, in the first half. So, I mean, it was an excellent game plan by the coaches extremely well executed on both sides of the ball. Uh, it's just, it's, it, 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 like John said, it's a complete game from this team. And, you know, the, the last time this program saw a game that complete from a Florida State football team was probably the 2016 Orange Bowl against Michigan or 17, I forget what, 2016-17 Orange Bowl. So, I mean, just to see the team starting to, to play a game, a full game, I mean, that's huge. I mean, the second half of the Louisville game, that's, you know, what you wanted to see for four quarters, and you got that this week. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think you're right in everything that you said. Um, it was – I usually but, am, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, but, yeah, because oh, uh, we uh, – look, they, they tried the Milton thing just like they tried – James Blackman at the beginning of 2020 when when the staff had first taken over, um, it didn't work. And and the the truth is that the personnel they have on offense um, doesn't fit that kind of offense that they want to run a, pa- a pass first. But Jordan Travis does fit the personnel here. A run first um, offense, you, like you said, the triple option. They do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, veer, toss, you know, power read, triple option, all the other stuff. But also they take the shot plays. And I love that, the, you know, that one play, like what uh, Brian's talking about, they they rolled him out of the pocket, you know, trying to manufacture explosive plays, right? Like we talked about before, yeah. getting those one-on-ones, um, but finding new and different ways. And they kind of introduce new stuff every single week. This offense has done that all year. Um, it hasn't always worked, but they try it. Um, so something like that, like we talked about going back to more of the, the 2020 stuff that they'd run uh, was really encouraging. And so in doing so, I believe they found that identity that we've talked about for the last several weeks that they, they didn't have, that you desperately need to have. Um, and, and when you have something like that, it just looks better. The whole offense flows better. The play calling, everything was just better. And I mean, obviously some of it's North Carolina. I think they've had some issues with their defense this year, but um, what you can control is going out there and executing. And that's what they did. They executed the game plan. They had one um, and it was coherent. And uh, I think that's big. So, you know, obviously there's going to be more talented defenses that they play uh, for the rest of the season, but uh, you saw what you wanted to see out of them. And then uh, like Juan was saying about the defense, uh, look, Fabian Lovett's a good player. Kier Thomas is a good player. Um, I know they're missing Dennis Briggs, who's a good player. So the defensive line, again, has been much better than what I had expected after they basically had to entirely rebuild that, that defensive line. Jermaine Johnson, obviously, is, is always good. You know we're gonna, you're, what you're going to get from him. Um, 
And to, to one's point, I like the defensive game plan. And again, the players went on executed. Jerry Jones has not really been good his entire um, career at Florida State. He struggled a lot last season with the mere press. He struggled a lot, a lot this year. Uh, but against North Carolina, he was fantastic. He did, he did what you wanted him to do. He made two critical plays, and that's what you need. And uh, we hadn't seen stuff like that. And I know they they were missing some guys. A bunch of guys are out. Renato Green hasn't stayed healthy all year. But, uh, yeah, it was a complete game. And uh, that's – I don't know. I'm excited because it's the improvement that we wanted to see all year. And we finally got to see it. Um, Notre Dame, you know, kind of seemed like a little bit of uh, was that really real? You know, after you get to 0 and 4. And I don't think, you know, I don't think it was quite the what's the word? I don't think it was quite the smoke and mirrors that maybe we thought it was after after the 0 and 4 start. So. Yeah, and you see you see Notre Dame obviously slide slide back, I guess, towards the middle, though. They just went into Virginia Tech last week, uh, last, I guess, last night, and one we're recording Sunday night. Um, my, my big thing, uh, and especially defensively, we talked about, was, was like you said, limiting the big plays. I mean, Josh Downs is going to get his. He's, he's Sam Howell's guy. He's going to get his. But his biggest catch was 33 yards. I mean, and you look up and down the rest of the receiving, you're looking at one catch, one catch, three catches for 15, one, one, one. I mean, like, he really didn't have a second option. So they were able to, again, Josh Downs is going to get his, but they were able to really limit everyone else on the field and basically force Sam Howell to become, he was a leading rusher. I mean, you held Ty Chandler in, in, in check at 14 for 61 and 13 was his longest carry. So you were able to get those explosive plays and, and really hold them down. One question that, that I did think of while watching the game and, and you know, I think kind of what you talked about with the Notre Dame game was the plan was obviously was this is Jordan Travis's team. And we heard from Norvell earlier this past week, I want to say it was last Monday, when he said this is why Jordan Travis won the job through the offseason. I know we've talked about it a few times through the show, through the show, through the season. Like, you know, well, Jordan Travis can't stay healthy through the year. He can't stay healthy through the year. I mean, he is only a sophomore. If he can, if he can develop, and I know we just kind of, uh, Papood, Malik Cunningham, but if if he can develop into something in that realm where he has the type of thing, this is the offense that he can shine in. Where you can, I, I mean, I don't really want to put expectations on this team, but roll off a couple of wins here, flirt with bowl eligibility, and Connor next season you've got a guy you can count on with a run game you can count on. I mean, you're building something right then and there. Yeah, I think we've talked about it a little bit before, but, um, you know, it's 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 really the offense that this team is well-suited to run. Um, it really plays to the strengths of the team. I mean, you have ex- extremely good playmaking backs in both Treshawn Ward and Jay Sean Corbin, who, who need a third friend named Sean something, you know, something Sean to complete the, you know, <laughs> the hydro of Sean. And, you know, those those two are excellent players. you got an excellent run blocking O-line. Um, and what you don't have is very good receivers. Um, they do a good job blocking. They caught the ball this week, which is a great plus. Uh, <laughs> and something that, you know, probably not going to get consistently out of this team this year. Um, but, you know, you are able to hide the issues of wide receiver and the issues with the pass protection from the offensive line with also getting to put your playmakers in space, which is what what um, what what Mike Norvell has talked about since they won a Florida State. What he's demonstrated, um, you know, at Memphis and Arizona State before that, 
So, I mean, you, you really do have something here where, you know, you're getting the most, I think, out of what you can get out of this team. So that's good and bad. It's good. They're getting a lot out of this team out of a relatively talent deficient group of players who don't really had, who didn't really have a cohesive run and pass balance type, type thing going. Um, so the, the good is you're getting an excellent thing out of the run game. You're not getting much out of the pass game, obviously, but where I want to get to is that, you know, my one concern with it is, you know, if you build in this triple option offense or whatever, you know, your, your, uh, enemies, I'm not going to say opponents, I'm going to say enemies in recruiting are going <laughs> to, you know, basically show the stat sheet of, uh, Jordan Travis throwing for 145 yards and then himself running for 121 yards. And Jordan Travis is a unique player. I mean, there's not a lot of college quarterbacks who run like him. He's one of the fastest kids on the Florida state team that while may not be as talented as those of seven, eight years ago, still has a lot of really fast dudes. So, I mean, you've got, you've got all the, 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 the components you need for a good stew right now in the run game. The question is, is that going to be there in two, three years? That's my concern with it. I mean, you know, it's the identity they can and should go with, and they need to shift, you know, they will shift and can shift to a different, different style of play when the different types of players become available. But um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good thing to, 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 to have a competent, competent team on offense. Yeah, the, in all the games, if not most of the games, um, they've run for about 200, 250 yards a, a game. And I, I thought, because my one concern, you know, North Carolina was an 18-point favorite. Um, you'd start to see some of these teams just sell out to stop the run, knowing that Florida State can't pass or struggles to pass. Um, and, and at this point, I think they've just settled for for taking deep shots whenever they feel like it fits in the, in the flow of their play calling. Um so they still did that. They, they, I think they ran for like 230 or whatever, whatever you said, Brian, but uh, that's encouraging. I mean, they, they get what they want in the running game. They manufacture those, those yards. Um, Clemson will be a fantastic test. Their defense, I think is easily the best remaining on the schedule. Um, you know, their offense struggles to, to score, but that defense there is fantastic. If, and I know they're missing a couple other defensive tackles, but if Florida State can run on Clemson in a couple weeks, I know you got a, you got a bye week, you got UMass, and then Clemson on deck. So I don't want to say because Jacksonville State that it's two bye weeks, but um, and I know UMass has a win now, so you know they got to watch out. <laughs> but but uh, I would like to see if I mean, man, if they can game plan and run against Clemson, that's that's fantastic. Um, and Juan's got a good point. I hadn't really thought of it before. I, I know teams are going to be negatively recruiting Florida State. I, I know, you know, that recruiting class, a lot of uh, other teams are, are coming in. You know, Florida State started 0-4. They smell kind of the blood in the water. They want to want to try to break that up and steal some of these kids. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Norvell's going to fight back. That's obviously what he's shown, right? Um, in his track pants, he's he's ready to go. Uh, he he He's going to fight and, and show improvement. And uh, what more can you ask, right? Yeah, I, my only counter to the to the negative recruiting is can't you just go in and say, look, I, I mean, yeah, but that's the players I had. I didn't have an explosive receiver, and that's what I had a game plan. Game plan it. Couldn't you be that? You'll be that receiver to come change. Yeah, that's like exactly that's where I was going to get at it. I mean, you go to you know Travis Hunter obviously is their commitment, and in my opinion, one you know, one of the best Florida State commitments ever. Um, 
and he's a kid who wasn't wavering, but went to UGA on a visit last weekend, which was concerning. Um, but it didn't seem like that was that turned out to be a problem at all. But Travis Hunter can play receiver, and and you know, you, I'm sure one of the things that coaches have been telling the kid is, hey, you know, if you go to Florida State and you try to play receiver, look at what they're doing; they're only running the ball. Well. <laughs> You know, uh, look at who they're, who is playing at receiver. Um, you know, Malik McLean is probably. I mean, is he your best receiver right now? Um, I mean, because you got Keyshawn and Pokey out there who are you know competent, decent, you know, okay college receivers. I almost said decent, and I thought and I figured that might have been too positive. Um, <laughs> and they they just aren't you know FSU caliber guys. Um, you haven't seen this receiver core have anybody decent since what terry terry in 2019 and he was he was the only only one on that team worth you know worth anything so i mean you really you really can counteract that sort of thing i just wanted to bring up that one concern that i had and not not so much on the recruiting part of it but more to do with the fact that um you know they're that's not being that one-dimensional is not a sustainable identity in the same way that air eight teams do not have success against real football. Um, you know, you, you watch Alabama and they used to be very much an old school run first team, even five years ago, Lane Kiffin gets to Tuscaloosa and all of a sudden they're a, a spread, no huddle, chuck it around, but they still got 320 pound dudes who are five stars who will run you over. So, I mean, you still want to get to a point where you can be balanced and this Florida team just isn't there yet. And I think it really speaks to what the coaching staff is doing, that they're able to get this much out of this team without, you know, with those limitations in play. That's what I was about to bring up was the idea of, of the, the growth, right? That's what we kept wanting to see was growth, growth, growth. I mean, we're talking four weeks ago, you had, what you know, was pretty clearly defined as the, the worst loss the program's ever had. And we're sitting here four weeks later and we're talking very positively of the team. You've seen the growth to what you talked about, losing by a lot, losing by a little, winning by a little, winning by a lot. And that's something where I think anyone, even if you're the most negative, can point to and say, okay, maybe the coaching staff has it. Maybe this, you know, maybe I was too judgmental on how quickly we should have been talking about firing the staff to say, okay, this is improvement. And, and, you know, I'm going to let John come in here in a second, but I want to, yeah. one thing I want to point out with that is, you know, you've seen that improvement. And the other thing that you're seeing is, you know, the defensive staff as well is doing a very good job with game plans. Um, you know, if, I don't think coming into the year, most folks, even, even, you know, us on Tom from Tomahawk nation, the guys on triple option, you, no one was going to sit there and tell you they thought Fuller was the guy at defensive coordinator. Um but he's proven to be having quite a good year. Uh, I mean, the, the, the complete shift in game plan for this game, you know, basically, basically keep it all in front of you. It worked. I mean, it worked excellently. They forced Sam Howell to do some stuff he's not comfortable doing clearly. And uh, you know, that's, 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 it, it's just like the way that, that the offense is showing what you can get out of this team the defensive game planning has almost had to be even more draconian and basically just like, all right, pick what you can defend. Cause it wasn't even what you want to defend. It was more what you can defend. 
the fact that they were this that adept at playing against the pass, and they were a dime quite a bit, um, you know, nickel primarily, but dime quite a bit. I need to see a snap chart on that. But anyway, um, it just shows that they've done a very good job adapting to the, to the personnel they have, uh, which is normally a, 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 a usually a fair criticism of most defensive coordinators. Um, I mean, heck, Jeremy Pruitt, 2013, he put Christian Jones out there at Mike Backer, you know, standing up, you know, as an inside linebacker, and he was outright bad. Moved the kid to defensive end against Boston College. Rest is history. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, even going all the back to that 2019 season at Memphis, um, Fuller, his identity is is and 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 Anna, Coach Adam Brown had talked about this a lot. Tom Nation and the triple option is he wants to be aggressive. That's his in, in identity as a defensive coordinator. He wants to play man coverage and blitz the crap out of you and and send guys after you over and over and over again. Um, he's tried to do that here at Florida State with varying success. Um, in our opinion, most of it has to do with the personnel that he's had. Uh, but in this game, it was very interesting to see the defensive game plan being like, all right, well, you know, we're going to, you know, even though North Carolina's offensive line, they returned all five starters from last season, they've struggled a lot this bit. Let's let our four guys up front take them on pressure Howell. Cause we believe that we can do that. And I'm going to flood all the passing zones um, and, and force Howell to throw into, you know, five, six guys in coverage. Um, and the end of the first half, I believe Howell had something like 70 or 73 yards passing. It absolutely worked. Uh, so despite the fact that North Carolina went up 10, nothing, then Florida state went on a 35 to seven run by that point, the game was over. Uh, so yeah, like Brian had said earlier, Howell's definitely going to get his, He's too good of a college quarterback not to. Um, but the game plan worked. They executed it to perfection. Uh, obviously, like, like we talked about earlier, Jerry and Jones made an incredible interception in the end zone. He had, had perfect inside leverage on the receiver. I don't know if that, that meant that that's a bad throw or a decision by Howell. Um, but as a defender, what more can you, can you ask, um, really? And uh, so that was fantastic to see them do it. You're not really going to get – I mean, I think Kalen Deloach could could turn out to be a great player, um, but a lot of the other linebackers they have, you 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 can't get much more from them than than run stopping. So to play a team like this, it's so pass happy, and to come out and say, okay, well we're going to match that with a game plan that to take away the pass, knowing you don't have you've only got maybe one linebacker who can cover. Um, they did phenomenal job. I, I you know like Juan said, you have to give Adam Fuller a lot of credit. Uh, I know that first half of Louisville was terrible, but the second half, they basically shut Louisville and Malik Cunningham down. Um, and this this game was a fantastic job. Uh, two, two things that really otherwise stood out, and we can talk more big picture stuff, was you go into halftime, obviously with your, your 21-10 lead. You come out with the ball, three and out, six plays later, you got North Carolina right back in the end zone, and, and you may be thinking, oh, crap, here we go, but it was five plays, 75 yards, less than two minutes later, you're right back in the end zone. Then the defense comes out and forces a punt. And again, you go right back down. The one complaint I can really have in the second half was maybe you were, you were lacking that, that put away drive in the fourth. But I mean, in reality, you only had the ball one time in the fourth quarter because North Carolina was doing a better job of eating the clock than you were, which is probably partly like we've talked about the defense, keeping everything in front of them, but they were just moving so slow. I mean, Florida State only ran 11 plays in the fourth quarter and we're met and 
easily held on to an 18 point lead. I mean, it went down to 10, but that's all you wanted was to ruin the time and it worked out. So, I mean, that would maybe be the only thing that I could say, I wish you could have leaned on your run game on that one drive where you ended up punting in the fourth and taking more time off the clock instead of only doing, you know, I think it was five, five, six plays, whatever it was. I think maybe, maybe just that, but otherwise I think you've got to be really happy with, with the response to those two, obviously being down 10, nothing. And then coming out in the second half, three and out, they touch down your face. It'd be very easy to go, Oh, great. Here we go. But to respond so quickly and, and be able to on both sides of the ball answer to it was, I thought was great. Right. What, one thing too is in this game, they were much better. I think part of it too is, you know, the identity stuff we talked about, you know, moving to a run base offense with, with Travis, but they stayed ahead of the sticks a lot of times. And I think as a consequence, they were much better on third downs. They were, I think uh, at one point when like when they were 0 and 4, I think their average third downs this season were eight, nine, 10 yards to go. Um, but in this game, they stayed ahead of the six consistently, you know, third and four, yeah. third and three, third and five, maybe you can convert that, especially with this offense with Trayshawn Ward and Corbin. Third and five, you can still run the ball with this team. Um, we'll see if they can do that against Clemson, but but you know what I mean? They, this offense can can stay ahead of the sticks. And again, it's a lot easier to take a shot play too if it's second and one, right? Um, yeah. if you ran for eight, yeah, if or second and two, you ran for eight yards on first down. So, um, I it's encouraging, I think, to one's point too, though. Uh, again, I still worry about some of these teams that that you know, because FSU is so one dimensional on offense, I don't think there's nearly as much talent as we kind of estimated. Uh, again, they're great run blocking, Travis is, is dynamic. Uh, Malik McLean, a true freshman, is your best receiver, and you got two great running backs. Um, and so they are what they are. Uh, if you have a defense like Clemson with a little bit more talent, sells out against the run, I'd like to see what kind of counters this the staff could put together to try to you know manufacture some yards to get into you know because like we talked about last pod, uh, they need explosive plays in order to score. They have to get chunk plays in order to get down the field. They cannot be methodical, nickel and dime. Uh, you know, Travis is not going to trigger in the short underneath quick passing game. He's just not going to do that. So you're going to have to come up with some kind of plan or answer for whenever you face a defense that can sell out against the run. Yeah. And I think, so looking for what's ahead with the team and I don't want to do schedule, schedule podcasting here, but you've got your buy, which is what I thought was going to be the big, turnaround point if there was going to be one for this team obviously you've already had that but you get your bye to you know get a little healthier and, and regroup and not get overly pat yourself on the back john you you avoided calling it the double buy with umass next <laughs> uh but presumably that and, and then you have clemson who obviously had their buy this week but has looked poor nc state miami who could be as an interim coach at that point in November, I mean, at the rate they're going, it seems like down there, I, who knows? I, uh, BC and it. What's that? RIP Manny. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. The, the pressure it's, it's, it's ratcheted up pretty fast. And then you've got Boston college in Florida. And I, I mean, a couple of weeks ago we were saying maybe none of that's possible, but you know, hats off to, to one kind of being ahead of the game here by saying this team can be competitive. And I think when you look at that and the, Unfortunate. The, the, I don't even want to call it unfortunate. That just the disaster the SC, the ACC has been. We and every game is winnable. That. Everything has to be winnable. All right. Before we we you know <laughs> you're looking gonna, you're gonna forward, dig me there. 
every every game, you know, is potentially winnable on the schedule. Clemson sure. obviously is down. They don't have an offensive line of note. And DJ Ukulele looks like he's out there playing ukulele uh, with two strings. And um, I love that he's in the Dr. Pepper commercials. Like they were they were willing to spend in the preseason, assuming he was going to be good, giving him money. And here we are where yeah yeah it's, it's unfortunate for, for for the medical practice of pepper and associates um <laughs> and so the 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 rest of the schedule you got clemson obviously is the big one florida's a big one but i think the one thing in the acc that i'm really looking forward to seeing um is the acc wheel of destiny is what espn used to call it and uh it was colloquially known as the uh known as the circle of suck uh, when it, there was a chance that each ACC team would have some sort of transitory uh, trans, or transitive property win over a next team. And you could just go, okay, well, uh, Clemson beat – or Florida State beat UNC, who beat Clemson in the ACC title game, for example, who beat Boston College, who beat Wake Forest, who beat – you know, so on and so on until you get it all the way around and you get the wheel of destiny that is really just a circle of suck. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how the ACC, what the ACC looks like this year after this. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. Like, look, Clemson's recruited so well, they're going to be good. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I knew the, the offense, they were vulnerable this year. I didn't think they'd be this vulnerable. I didn't think that Uyango um, Le would struggle this much. Um, but they're definitely beatable. Um, and I don't know what they are going to be for the rest of this decade. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to jump the gun and say that, that the ACC is now a little bit more wide, wide open. I think that until they prove otherwise Clemson's still the team to beat, uh, for the next several years, but it's definitely not like they've been, you know, with under Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence, where they're a national title contender every single year. Um, the ACC, uh, for the rest of them, I don't, who knows? I can't predict this conference. They're <laughs> all, it's all just a grab bag. It's like those one carnival games where the, the claw comes down and you just don't know if you're going to get nothing or anything or, or what. <laughs> um, Either way, just predict suck and you'll be right. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Um, so it's kind of fun though, that it's wide open for state's trying to do a rebuild. You're like, Hey, maybe there's an opportunity there for, you know, next season, the year after if, if Clemson stays down. Um, but it, it's wild. I mean, North Carolina is not as good as I thought they were going to be. Virginia tech, maybe it's a little bit better. Um, it's just wide open. I think that's fun. I think it's good for the sport. Um, it gets a little boring if it's Clemson, Alabama every year. Uh, I know there's good, a few years ago when Clemson, you know, Florida State was coming down, but those good Florida State Clemson games were fun. And I think maybe that might be back a little bit sooner than we thought. And I think that's fantastic. And I almost wonder if we're starting to see if the, the finally the attrition around Davo Sweeney start to catch up to him. Swinney, whatever, Swinney, catch up to him. I mean, you know, he starts picking off coordinators here and there and here and there. And now the offense looks pretty clueless when you finally lose Trevor Lawrence underneath it. And maybe it was. Wasn't really that Davos a genius. I mean, we find it kind of learned just because you win a championship doesn't make you a genius. Shout out to Chizik and at Ogeron. It doesn't make you a genius. Ed Ogeron should have a lifetime contract at LSU. Oh, please don't do this. 
<laughs> I did. I did write in my in my betting picks article this week that I thought everyone should pay for that. Florida State should pay attention to the LSU game this past week, though, because I that's you know that's the non conference. Okay, I got I got slapped in the wrist on this one because Duquesne is technically the opener, but it's it's the real opener next season. Um, LSU's gonna have a new coach. I mean, that, I think that's finished at this point, but we can save that conversation for all off season. But um, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's so weird to look up and see Wake Forest sitting four and O cushy on top of the conference. Yeah. Well, I mean, Juan and I were talking about this last time is uh, I think when Florida state won the national title 2013, was that seven years ago now? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Jeez. So, um, I think Florida state's blue chip percentage was something like 60, 63%, something like that. Now it's closer to 30, 35%. Um, I don't know where LSU is at. I would have to imagine, yeah, they're probably going to have a new coach, but I still think they're going to be more talented than Florida State. Uh, but you never know how first-year coaches, that kind of thing goes. Uh, I think Halfley at Boston College has done a great job. So I think college football is going through a big transition period right now, um, and yeah. that kind of leads to a lot of the – it's not quite 2007, but there's a lot of excitement this year. Yeah, John, and one thing you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of excitement this year. And, you know, Florida State is an exciting team right now as a fan again, which is like, man, it's, this has been a, roll, a roller coaster of emotion this season <laughs> for this yeah. team. Um, yeah. Following them, covering them, going to the games, you know, it's 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 funny how different town is after a loss than a win. Forgot that after not living in Tallahassee for 10 years. <laughs> but um, one thing that, you know, you, you sort of a 10,000 foot view on this. And I think, you know, we want to temper the expectations. I said we, I said Florida State can play with, with Clemson and with Florida, and I do believe that. And I think they're going to continue to, you know, be able to play with any team on the schedule as they rebuild the roster. But they've got to rebuild that roster. And right now, John, you mentioned uh, the blue chip percentage is at about 30, 35%. And the two or the, the most recent class was 33%. And the, the 2022 class, as, as it stands with 17 or 18 recruits, I don't remember off the top of my head, is somewhere around 36, 37. So it's an improvement over where the roster currently is, but it's not bringing it up enough. I mean, you really need to see – and obviously Mike Norvell is working, working off of back of the heels of Willie Taggart, uh, COVID year where they couldn't go out and recruit in person. All these factors go against him and really, you know, 2022 probably isn't a fair class to evaluate him on even at this point, um, you know, as crazy as that may seem um, because they were, they struggled to get juniors to campus. So last year, which are the kids who are now 2022, 2023, it's too early to know where they're going to end up. Um, But you really need to see 2023 on, you need to start seeing, you know, blue chip, blue chips, 50% and up or you're not going to get back to a level that Florida state wants. I mean, you're going to be third or fourth, most blue chips in the conference. You're going to be, you know, about where Miami is a little bit below that. Um, But this team, the roster is not there yet. Um, You know, so while this team can go play with the Clemson and Florida, they're four, three, four, five years at this point from, from going against Alabama. So let's, let's try to temper our expectations. (laughs) They beat a pretty solid UNC team. Um, and you know, we can expect them to, to have games like that this year. And we can expect them to have games like the, the, I'm not going to say Jacksonville state cause that was just a disaster, but um, like forest. I mean, you, you could just as easily go on the road to Clemson and, and 
Clemson wakes up out of their bye week and they're and they're they're good again. Or your team that's young and as we talked about, maybe less talented, just isn't there at a at a night game at Clemson. If it's a night game, I mean they haven't set a time yet, but that's yeah, totally main, still in the realm of possibilities. My main point and takeaway on that part is it's not trying to be negative. It's more of a hey, they're not there yet. They're building there and they're doing a nice job doing so. You got kids like Travis Hunter and Sam Call in that 2022 class who are going to make a huge impact, not just on the field, but off the field in terms of recruiting too. I mean, Travis Hunter is your, you know, LaMarcus Joyner, Jeff Luke type player that excites the other kids in, in, in the class. Although I don't think they're going to get to 50% for 2022 that puts them on the road for doing so for 2023. So, I mean, I think, you know, they're getting there, but it's going to take some time. I mean, you've got to, if you're at 35% right now, to get the roster to 70%, you need at least, or I'm sorry, to 50%, you need two classes at 70%, which, I mean, Alabama does, but nobody else does. <laughs> um, so it just, it's just going to take the t- take time to get Florida State to a point where they can compete at a national level. And I just want to, you know, keep that, keep, keep expectations in, in that frame of reference. They're not at a point yet where you can say 10 wins is something to expect next year, even the following year. You just got to get this point, this team to a point where in two or three years, they've got enough young talent coming in to match with some of these fourth, fifth, sixth year guys. I guess some of these guys will probably get COVID years um, and they'll be able to put a product on the field. That's somewhat like wake in the sense that they've got an older group of core players to build around that's substituted by young talent instead of, seven or eight transfers per class. So that's where I think this team's headed. And, you know, the, I do think that they're on a very strong upward trajectory towards success, towards success. Just not there yet. You know, it's just at the bottom of that, the bottom of that exponential uh, growth curve. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think because, right. I think this is a great time to kind of keep the expectations realistic um, while he might be recruiting better, I don't know what Memphis's blue chip percentage is. So while Norvell and the staff might be recruiting better than what he did at Memphis, I'm pretty sure, right? Um, yeah. You can't, and that's not FSU quality. He's still trying to establish that foundation, that culture, and everything going forward. Uh, like he talked about a couple of weeks ago, he just wants kids who want to be here. So that's really where the program is still at. I think some of these kids are, are trying to buy in. The, the whole Gatorade bath show at the end of the game against North Carolina, that was fun to see these kids. At least some of them obviously love to play for, for Novell. But you're right, it's going to take time. Um, and we do, we do our staff prediction articles on Tom Nation, and I'm at the point where I literally have, yeah, literally have no idea what to put every week because as we've talked about – the defense, I think we we know what they are, um, but the offense, they're so high variance. They're so reliant on explosive plays, which is really hard to predict. Again, they're not efficient on a down-to-down basis that it's so difficult to really predict how they're going to do because who's to say that, you know, Travis is going to hit three, you know, say he takes four or five shot plays in a game. Who's to say he's going to hit four of them instead of just one or two of them? And it's something that's it's just so hard to predict because sometimes you need your receiver to go high point the ball or, um, you know, you just don't know. Some some teams will obviously have better defensive backs than others. Um, some defenses will communicate better. won't bust coverages as often as others. So it's difficult. You know, I want to come in and say, oh, yeah, you know, Florida State's going to put up 30 points or, or whatever, and which they typically have done under with Travis at quarterback this year. Um but it's just hard to be consistent and know exactly what you're going to get from this offense week in and week out. 
So it's hard to say, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to win one more game or three more games or they're, you know, bowl eligibility is, is in the conversation. I, I don't think that's the case this year. Um, I think that's being a little bit too optimistic. So I want to pull the reins back a little bit. You know, we want to be realistic about, about what this team is, but they're fun. And they're definitely, like Juan said, I would agree with they are building towards something. Um, again, the day will come where we're going to have to demand that Norvell and his staff recruit better than they have been. Um, but I think right now you kind of give him a pass as he tries to uh, reestablish this program. Uh, and again, I know this is his second season. It might take three, maybe four years before, you know, we say, okay, yeah, he's established the, you know, the floor of this, of this program to where, you know, it needs to be. Now's the time you kind of launch it into the stratosphere of where, you know, we want Florida state to be. I know a lot of people say, yeah, it's his first full class. You know, the, the 2021 class that he had is his first full class. That's the one you need to recruit at 60, 70%. And that, that didn't happen. Um, but again, we have to keep in mind where, how low and how deep like that ESPN article was the other year, really how deep of a whole Florida state was in. And it's going to take time to dig it out. It's not going to happen in two years or maybe or even three years. So I'm super happy. It was a fun, fun win. It was the best, most complete game we've seen, like Juan said, since that Orange Bowl win. Uh, but you're not going to get that every week because progress isn't linear. But again, it's still fun. And it's going to be, I think, hopefully, I believe, a lot more fun games the rest of the way this year. Well, I think, I think that, you know, to you guys' point, it isn't, we got to make sure we're, we're tempering it. We're not going to win the ACC, obviously. But I think it's, it's, it gives you stability. It's a program stabilizer where when you hit your bye week, everyone's going to stop and look back at the season so far and start, you know, looking back and forth and report carding. And yeah, you've got the Jacksonville state loss on there, but you can, you can put your hat on it. You can build off it. It gives you where we're not having the conversations of comparing Norvell and, and Taggart where we're, we're settled. Mm-hmm. Go out and exactly go out and do what you're supposed to do, even if that ends at being four and eight. If that ends at three and nine, so be it. Go be competitive, and, and you can stabilize it and and help. I mean, even if you take, I mean, the coach is probably gonna take the bye week and go do a lot of recruiting as well. It's it's a big one to go into that type of week for it. Um, we'll, we'll get out of here in a minute. I've got one quick question: yes or no? And I, John, I think you just gave me the answer. Um, Bowl is the ceiling. Yes or no? Bowl game? No? For, for me, no. Uh, You're right. Jacksonville, well, no. Right. Well, Jacksonville State changed everything. I mean, if they win that game, they're what? Three and three instead of two and four? And three they and won three, three yeah. games last year? This is a – this game uh, – this season, I mean, feel – would feel totally different. Um, and we're talking about one tackle at, at the end of the game. Right. So to me, no, you, you don't lose to Jacksonville State and make a bowl game this year. Um, again, if progress was linear, I'd say, yeah, maybe, yeah. But no, uh, I would say they're at two wins. I'd say probably four is most likely, uh, maybe with some yeah. luck, um, maybe five. But for me, it's about, it's about four. What about you, Juan? Uh, I was say, I think I got Juan's answer here. Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm right about where John is on this. I think, you know, this is a team that, they're going to have one loss that we're probably going to shake our heads and say what's going on and probably have an existential crisis on the podcast again. Um, <laughs> but 
then they're going to probably do another one that scratches your head and makes you think, okay, maybe this team is really good after what we saw against North Carolina and Notre Dame and against, you know, when, when we beat Clemson by 42 points, maybe that'll get us thinking positive thoughts. But <laughs> at this point, too much has to come together for them to go to four and two. Um, too many people have to stay healthy. You know, Jordan Travis is this team, is this offense at this point. And there's just too much that has to go right for it to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and I and I I totally agree for the two cents. I just think when you look at it, is it possible that they that that it is four and two maybe out there, maybe. But that's the very top top ceiling you're looking at, and that just makes it not a likely scenario. Regardless, you can't win or lose this week. You get a bye week, so you know if you're listening, go go to your friend's wedding or whatever he's got booked this weekend. Fix the fence, take the wife out for dinner, do whatever. But we'll be out. I assume next week, but we'll be back. Probably post UMass unless something big happens next week. But for Brian, John, and Juan, this is the Seminole Rap Podcast. That is a wrap. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.